Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Come on, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord today with you all, and I'm excited to bring you this Word. Uh, Over the next two weeks, uh, I have uh, a couple of messages I want to, uh, just some things the Lord's been putting on my heart, and I'm going to share with one of those uh, for you today. There it is. I love that. For the one. Come on. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's why we exist as a church, and the punchline's on the screen, so you might be able to read into that a little bit. But I want to just remind you guys of why we are here. It's been a, a, a crazy six weeks or so, you know, since our founding pastors have moved to the Father's House in California, and, and here we are in a Calgary campus, and uh, man, God has been so good. There's been people every week that are giving their lives to the Lord. We're seeing more uh, lost people come to Jesus Christ, and uh, just experience uh, what an encounter with Jesus will do. It'll change everything in your life. So God is so faithful, and it is true that the Lord will do more for us than we can do for ourselves. And in our weakness, bless you, we are made strong. Amen? Amen? Come on, so we're excited to be here today because we often wonder, I don't know if you walked into the lobby or maybe you're just visiting today, you see in the lobby it says, life is short, eternity is real, and who can finish it for me? People matter most, come on. That that is not just a cool saying, although it is, because it really hits if you think about it, but it also is a uh, reminder for us to ensure that we're always on track. So that's why we have it up on the wall, to know each and every week, how are we doing? To be reminded that life is short, that this life is temporary. Eternity is written on the hearts of every man and woman, that people matter most. So that's what we're going to explore today as we walk through the Word. And you might ask yourself, I mean, really, why is it that we're here? Why do we bring this, you know, baby up on stage? And why do we set up all these chairs? And why is there coffee? And who's setting up all those signs outside? And watching all the kids in the kids' ministry? And looking after the crying babies? And who's wiping, you know, sanitizing the toys after each service? I mean, there's all these things that happen. We think, why do we even do this? Why do we do this? I'd rather sleep in, eat some eggs, Benedict, maybe watch some NFL football or play around a golf. But we're here. We're here. The answer is like all of the important answers to life found in the Word of God, the Bible. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the reading of Scripture, the teaching of Scripture, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, which we did today. We're going to fellowship together too, and to prayer. So we gather together. The early church did this each and every day. They met together, whether it was in the temple or in their homes, like our groups. We're going to learn more about this next week. But each and every day, they gathered together because they had just experienced Jesus Christ. This countercultural idea, this concept that is so profound back in the day that shattered every other belief that Jesus Christ came. And he died. He lived a sinless life. And he resurrected so that we could join him forever in heaven. Sound like a good idea? Anybody with me? Say amen. (laughs) All right. So most people will come to church before they come to Jesus. That is one of the primary reasons we exist as a church. And we get to play a part 
as God's church. Church means called out and called together. Church is not a building. Church is a people. We get to play a part in helping people realize a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We live in a fallen world. We go through hard times. There is loss. There is challenge after challenge. There is a lot going on in this world. But Jesus said to fear not because I have overcome the world. So we put our trust and our hope truly and firmly in Jesus Christ alone. Without it, it's hopeless. Jesus gives us a true, everlasting reason for living, to worship God and to enjoy him forever. He gives us hope. When you are down and out, he gives you hope. And we are a church that will point to Jesus Christ to give you and the friends and family and the strangers and the coworkers in your life to give them hope. Can I get a baby amen today? That was pretty good, big baby. I love it. Come on. Well, we're going to put this up on the screen, and I, I encourage you to memorize this, just like maybe the, the, the saying on the wall. This is why we exist. The Father's house exists so that people far from God will find life in Christ. Nice and simple, isn't it? We can memorize that, right? Why are we here? Okay, we're going work, to work on it. We've got some time. There is no quiz either, so it's good. But that's right. We're here for people that are far from God. They need to find life and purpose and the abundant life, eternity that God has set on their heart that is only found through a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. Why? Because this matters to God. It is the same mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the Son of Man, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. That's why we're here. We're here for lost people, people that need hope, and people that are far from God. Now, here's the thing. Um, if you're like me, if you're ever lost uh, driving, I don't like to admit that I'm lost. I don't need your directions. I don't need your encouragements. Not talking to anyone specifically. I'm more just speaking generally. I know where I'm going. I've gone this way. But often I realize, I mean, I'm somewhere else when I'm driving often. Is anyone else, like, somewhere else driving? I'm, like, I'm on an island in Tahiti. I'm fishing, like, my feet in the sand. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah, there's my turn there. So there's generally two reasons. I could be going down the wrong road, and my lovely wife or, or, or another, you know, person driving might say, hey, bud, you're going the wrong way. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. That's maybe your opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just came from there. The bridge is out. Don't go that way. And I can say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to change course or change direction. I know the way. And it ends in me driving off a bridge, <laughs> which I would not recommend. And it is not safe. So... The truth is, is that from time to time, come on, we all need some saving. We all need some direction in life. 
We're gonna learn a little bit about this today. We read in Romans chapter one, it says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Are you glad you came to church today? Are you encouraged? Come on, we'll see you next week. God bless you guys. It says they know the truth about God. Everybody knows the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, all of his creation, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Oh, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like as a result their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen? Amen. From the beginning of time, the word says that people have no excuse for not knowing God because we experience, excuse me, I'm choking up. <laughs> because we experience the sunset sunrise, big sunrise, sunset guy. That's why it just gets to me every time. We see God, his invisible qualities everywhere around us. But instead of worshiping him as Lord of our lives and creator of everything, our minds become dark and confused and we come up with our own ideas on who God is, who our identity is in. And God abandoned us. He said, I'm not going to force myself upon you. But God, in his kindness and his faithfulness, he loves us so much that he comes so hard after us. He is constantly drawing us to him. And it is those that are farthest from him so that we would put our trust in him. And then our minds are open. Our hearts are no longer hardened. We are pierced with the good news of the gospel that Jesus alone saves and there is life and there is life abundantly in Jesus Christ. That is why we do what we do as a church. We're here to help give direction to people who are going one way, who are about to frankly drive off a cliff and say, hey, don't go that way. I've been that way. Trust me, it's a dead end. Follow me. Go this way. And we are pointing to Jesus Christ and the life and the abundance that is found in him because this is who Jesus Christ, our Lord, went after. And it's who we're going after as a church until the Lord comes back. Amen? Amen. Come on. Now, Jesus spoke in these parables to help us understand the deep reality of the purpose of why he came. To understand the kingdom of God. And, and these parables are essentially a, a fictional story that convey a very deep spiritual truth. 
So we're going to read two parables today. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. These are both found in Luke chapter 15. If you do have your Bibles open, you can crack it open. If you're taking notes, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 32. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Can you imagine? (laughs) Tax collectors, notorious sinners, all these people came to listen to Jesus teach. Notorious sinners. Do we have any ex-notorious sinners in the house today by a show of hands? Yeah, I think you should have your hand up too. You should probably, I know some of your story, you should have your hand up too. There's a few of us that might not even have their hands up. Come on. But But the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See, the people who love to be closest to him were generally the ones farthest from him. The broken, the despised, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. They wanted to be closest to the feet of Jesus. And it was the religious people, it was the Pharisees, it was the high and mighty who were offended, who were critical and said, how could you be hanging out with this person? Do you know what they did? I follow them on Instagram. I'm not on there often. I just follow them just to make sure they're doing okay in case they need some, you know, some Bible scriptures to encourage them. And I don't search on anything on Instagram, but I just follow them to ensure that they're doing okay. And they have been up to some stuff. Their posts, do you know what they've done? And Jesus, you're eating with these people? You see how countercultural this whole idea was? Jesus completely confounded these people. And he used this story. He says, Jesus told him the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together all his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Listen, the other 99, the sheepfold are safe. Jesus, the great shepherd, leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's who our God is. At the Father's house, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. We are here to go after the one. We are like a hospital for sin sick people. If you're feeling broken, if you're down, if you're destitute, if you've been through the lowest of lows, then this is home because this is where sick people come, just like each of us in this room who call the Father's house home. We came to church with baggage. We were transformed and changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, and we gave our lives to Him. We surrendered everything to Him. We said, God, your way is better. And now we experience the life change that comes from that. Now, here's the thing. The scripture says, clearly, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than the other 99. I mean, I don't know if I can break that down any further. That's pretty clear. God, all of heaven, is more excited about one person that's going to make a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ and surrender their lives to him. God is more celebrated that and all of heaven than the rest of us just showing up, you know, serving together and being here as the church. That's the truth of God's word. 
He celebrates and seeks after lost people. Now, that's not a permission to just go off track and, you know, just let your life, you know, go crazy. Oh, I guess he's not worried about me. I'll become the one and let him chase after me. No, no, no. Stay on track. Keep coming to church. Keep serving. Come on. That's good. But God loves it when someone who is sin sick says, I'm not going this way anymore. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn 180 and I am heading after Jesus Christ. That all of heaven rejoices that. So as a church, we're going to focus on that. We're going to go after that and we are going to celebrate and celebrate and party when one lost person comes home. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to, to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, quick time out. This was a huge insult in the Jewish culture, really in any culture. If someone asked for their inheritance early, it was essentially wishing the father dead. Now, if you did this back in that day, if you went up to your dad and you're like, hey, dad, I want my inheritance, there would be verbal and even physical blows. That was the expectation from the father to the son who would ask such a crazy thing. Now, there would be a huge, it would be a huge ordeal because there would be so much land. And, and then the idea of wealth is not just, um, you know, money. The, the word where we get wealth in the, in the Greek is this word bios, is where we get our word biology. That it's like the existence of your very being. So it goes beyond even a material possession. And he says he essentially split and divided himself, his wealth, his bios, among his two children. Now, in this day and age, the other would receive the double portion. So the double portion would be reserved for the firstborn, and the youngest child would now get that one-third, and it says that the father gave it to him. Now, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him in the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything." Now, how easy is it for all of us to look to this life, look to the instant gratification, look to the now for the satisfaction to fill that hole within us. We look to this life to satisfy. And the son wanted it now. I want it now. And he spent it all on wild living he bought everything he could imagine, did all the fun trips, bought all the toys, got all the friends to go out and party, and it's all gone. It's squandered, and still, he's left empty and alone. Now, for a Jewish person in that day, to be even near the pigs, the swine, was despicable. You, you were there. They were the absolute filth and the idea of even desiring the food that the pigs would eat the swine would eat is unfathomable it's just absolutely disgusting but here is this young man desiring the food that the pigs eat 
and he gets to the lowest possible point where it can't get any worse. See, the truth is, as long as we are self-sufficient, we can't be God-dependent. As long as we can do it ourselves. God, I don't need your help. I don't need your direction. I know where I'm going. I've got all sorts of great ideas on who God is. Thanks, but no thanks. As long as we can do it for ourselves, we recognize we don't need God. God will not force himself upon us. But God in his grace will allow these hardships in your life if it will break off the self-sufficiency that our human culture, our, our people so quickly rely on. And God wants to break that off because as long as we are master and commander of our own life, we will not allow someone else to pilot us, to lead us, and to guide us because we're following ourselves. Our minds are dark and confused. The word says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You see, he finally came to his senses. The same way we read in Romans chapter 1, that before we come to this moment of salvation, this response to Jesus' constant beckoning to us, that our minds are dark and confused, there's like a covering over top so that the truth of God's word, we will reject it until finally we come to our senses and we no longer harden our hearts against God, against Jesus, against his bride, the church, the people of God. And our hearts are softened to the point where the truth of God's word will convict and comfort us and our eyes are open to the power and the reality of Jesus Christ and that he saves. His eyes are opened and he recognizes where we're at. See, there's a, this moment of clarity that I believe God is constantly beckoning you your family members, each and every person, he's constantly calling them onward. He constantly desires them to be a part of the sheepfold, to come into the house of God, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this guy finally gets to the point where the old is just old. And I need something new because he recognized his lostness. Have you been there? Have you gotten to the lowest point where you just think, I don't know where else there is to go? In that weakness, we realize our depravity and we say, oh God, this is right where you want me to be. You've allowed this for me because of your goodness, because of your kindness, so that I will turn to you. I will repent of my own wicked ways and I will ask you to be Lord of my life. It says in the word, he returned home to his father the son's coming home. He says, I'm going back to my father's house. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son 
said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father interrupted him. He said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Bring a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is fine. So found, so the party began. Listen, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. You know that while you're still a long way off, the father sees you? And you just imagine the father, after his son had gone and took a third of his wealth, and he's walking outside on the veranda and looking down, you know, day's almost over, and I thought I heard something. I wondered if that was my son. No, it's not him, it's someone else. Putzing around, and oh, I hear that? Ah, oh, it's not my son. Until one day, he looks out, and he sees this weary, beaten up, broken guy just barely dragging himself towards his father's house. And what does his father do? He doesn't stand there and wait with his arms like this until he arrives and says, I knew you'd be back. You stink. What even is that? No. He goes and he runs after. Now listen, the father was expectant. The father was anticipating the return, the arrival of this lost son. He was looking. While he was a long way off, he saw him, and he runs to him. For men in this day, in this culture, to run was undignified. You did not do it. You did not show those hairy legs, lifting up whatever it was, their tunics they wore and running. It was undignified. No one would do that. No man would do that. Yet here he was. He didn't care what people thought of him. He was running after his lost son to welcome him home. He gives him the finest robe in the house. Now the robe represents honor. The ring on his finger gives him authority. The sandals for his feet were a sign of sonship, that he have a place, a reestablished place in the family. And the feast, the fattened calf, was a sign of the Father's provision. Listen, there are four things that God gives us that we need in our brokenness, in our repentance, in our return to God, that he runs after us. And before we can even get a word out, God, I said, God, I'm sorry, I've done this. He's like, yeah, yeah, listen, you're back. And I've got four things for you. He gives you honor, authority, a place in the family, and provision. All of these are yours if you simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm coming home. And he clothes you with salvation. It's all waiting for you. I'll ask the band to come up as we close our time together and finish the scripture. It says, meanwhile, the older son, dun, dun, dun. He was in the fields working. Interesting. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. There's a party going on. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. 
His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours come back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now this parable, this story from Jesus Christ, it shatters every belief and idea, every religious construct that had come before it. Everything else, every, every cult, every religion says that you have to do something to earn your way to God. Where was the elder son? He was out working and he was angry that the, the son was given all this feast because that was part of his inheritance. The, whatever the father had left, he said, it's yours. He, he, he used this fattened calf that would have cost tons of money. It would have been a huge feast. And he uses this for this lost son. Every other religion, every other cult says, you need to do something before you can come in. Not with Jesus Christ. Not with Christianity. Christianity is the true religion. It is the only religion that says it's nothing that you do. It is purely what I do for you, says God. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It is the free gift of salvation. The other son is angry. The religious son. He says, I've done all this work. I've done all these things. I've never once refused to do what you've asked me to do. You see, this isn't a, a parable just of one son. This is a parable of two lost sons because he has lost in his own goodness, in his own doing, and in his own works, which are dead. He says, I deserve your grace. I've worked hard and I've never refused you. I didn't run off like my crazy brother there. I've been with you this whole time. I've always done the right thing. And yet he's angry. He's lost in his own goodness. Yet his father comes out to him. He went out to him in the same way that he did to his younger son, to bring him inside, to encourage him, to implore him, to come into the party. Every time we hear one of these parables, we have to ask ourselves, God, who are we in this story? We're not any smarter than the people that lived 2,000 years ago. We're not. God, who are we in the story? The same way you told notorious sinners and tax collectors, you speak through your living word today. God, who am I in this story? Am I a religious person waiting for people to mess up, coming to the house of God thinking, man, they smell something funny. I think they've been smoking. Mm-hmm. And here they are in the house of God. Whew. Not me. I smell good. Go ahead, smell. Or are we the... The prodigal son, maybe you remember when you were lost. You remember when you were far from God. Or maybe that's you right now. You're like, yeah, man, I've just been coming because I don't know, I'm sensing something. I, I, I've been at my lowest and I recognize I need God. That's me right now. 
Religion says that you've got to behave before you belong. Jesus Christ, Christianity says that you belong before you behave, before things radically transform and change in your life. Because at the moment of salvation, your, your spirit is aligned with God's spirit. You're saved. But there's a sanctification. As, you, as Jesus enters your heart, that he just changes thing after thing after thing. And little by little, you watch. And as years go past, you think, wow, God. Look at that. I can't even believe that person. I don't even, even recognize. Why? Because the old person is dead. It dies. It's crucified with Christ. And it's Christ now that lives in us. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. God doesn't expect you, nor can you, pay your way back in. You can't earn your way back in. The grace of God spreads the table and says, all of this is for you if you'll just simply say yes, if you'll simply come back to the Father, if you'll simply come back to him and say, God, I need you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the simplicity of it. It's the undeserved favor, the grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, no matter how far you've run, no matter how far away you are from God right now in this moment, he is not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not in heaven like waiting with his arms crossed, being like, you sinner. He loves you. When he just even gets a, a, an inkling that you're, you're thinking about coming back home, that you're thinking about becoming a part of the church, that you're thinking about becoming a his, part of his bride, when you're thinking about allowing Jesus back into your life, or maybe for the first time ever, he, he's, is that it? He's coming. He's coming home. I think that's it. Oh, something got in the way. He pushed it aside. What's that? Is he coming? Oh, is he coming? That's, and he starts running after you as soon as he sees you. He pulls up his pant legs and he's coming for you. He gives you a kiss and he welcomes you home. The ring and the sandals. He says, this is a place where you can belong here in the Father's house. There's always a place for you. You see, Jesus is our ultimate hope. He's our only hope. Everything else will fade. Everything else will fade. It's temporary. Our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with other believers, that's the only thing we can take with us. Everything else stays behind. <laughs> so we're at church, at the Father's house. It's gonna invest in people. We're gonna invest in people who have squandered everything they've had. We're gonna invest in people who have spent their whole inheritance that are desiring the pods of the pigs. We're gonna be a place that welcomes them home. There's two people in the room today. Maybe you're, you're part of the 99. You're in the sheepfold, you're safe. If that's you, would you help us? Would you help us to pastor people? Would you help us to welcome in lost people? Maybe they don't even know that they're lost, but they just come into the house and they're kind of like, yeah, you know, like my friend told me or I, you know, I, I found you online or who knows? God, God has ordained them to be in this house. God has ordained you to be here today. So if you're part of the 99, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, would you help us by discipling someone else? Find someone else that you're maybe just a little bit ahead of and, 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 and you know, uh, learning the Bible or praying. Join a small group with them. 
Walk them through what it means. Tell them the story. Tell them what God's done in your life. Tell them how you were lost and how you're now saved. And if you're the other person, if, if you're the one, if you're the one that God's going after, if he's running after, if that's you today, then I just have two words for you. Welcome home. Welcome home. You're welcome here at the Father's house. We love you. We don't know you, but we love you. You might be weird. That's okay. We're weird too. We were more weird. We're less weird. It's more quirky now, but come on. God's changed us. God's transformed us. All the people that are part of this church, God has done a mighty work. He has done true, genuine salvation. Trust me, every leader in this house was at once far from God. We were the prodigal son. So we're going to be a church that welcomes people home well. We're going to invest in them coming home. And we're going to celebrate, man. We're going to party. We're going to have a great time. We're going to celebrate people coming to the house of God. Because that's what Jesus wants. All of heaven celebrates when one lost person repents and comes to Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As our eyes are closed, just to eliminate any distractions in this room, I just want to give anyone that's that's here today, maybe you're not sure where you're at or where you stand with God. Um, I just want to give you a, a moment to respond to this message, to God's calling in your life that it's not an accident that you're here. Maybe you identify as the prodigal son or maybe you're that religious person. And you recognize in either case, man, I'm lost. I need God. If that's you today, in just a few moments, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And when I do, I'm, I'm not going to call you for it. I'm not going to pull you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And I'm going to see your hand, but more importantly, God's going to see your hand. And today, it's, just, it's not a magical prayer that a pastor you know, prays up on a stage. That Today is a, a marker in the journey of your life that you can look back to today. Sunday, November 26, and say, that's the day that I said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've walked with God and you've walked away. Or maybe you've never responded to the invitation that Jesus Christ constantly gives you. He constantly pleads, and he anticipates, and he expects, and he waits for you to say yes, to come on home. He doesn't look down on you. He loves you. He wants to celebrate you more than anything else. He wants to celebrate you, that you're home, that you're saved. Eternity will be with him forever. If you're not sure where you're at with God, let's make sure today in these next few moments, if that's you today, I'm gonna count to three with every head bowed and every eye closed. So we eliminate the distractions. I just want you to ask, God, is it me that's coming home today? God, what do you want from me? Would you just ask that question right now in your heart? Say, God, what do you want from me? With every head bowed, if that's you on the count of three, just want to know who I'm praying for. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to come home, if you want to be in the Father's house, in Jesus' name, on three. Are you ready? Just lift your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead and pop your hand up quick. Amen. 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 The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices in one lost person that comes home. There's more joy in heaven than over 99 who have not gone astray. Church, would you pray this prayer with me today out loud? Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, 
today I accept the invitation. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin and regrets. I'm coming home. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your grace. And fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, if that's you today, if you made a decision, would you just not leave this place before telling someone, maybe finding a leader? Or we'd love to pray with you as well. We're going to have some of our leaders. If you're a group leader in the house or a department leader, we'd love to invite you up to the front. And we're going to pray for you. If, if you're here and maybe you're far from God or if you made that prayer today, come forward after we close this time. And we just want to lay a hand on you and pray for you, encourage you. If you need prayer, if your finances, your businesses, relationships, whatever it is, we love you. We're so glad you're here. So come on, God is up to good things here at the Father's house. Listen, there are more people that need to hear this message that aren't here today. So if you're throughout the week, if you get an opportunity to share your faith, tell someone what Jesus has done in your life. Invite him to church. Invite him to the Father's house. You never know, they might be the one that God is speaking to right now that God wants to celebrate and welcome them home in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, listen, we love you guys. Thank you for being in the house of God today and celebrating with us. We'll see you Wednesday night for Pursuit at 6 p.m. or Sunday again for 9 and 11 as we continue our series. God bless you guys. Come on up for the front for prayer.